Welcome to the one and only Circle City Setup with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Hello, and welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and tonight, doing things a little differently. No strict agenda to follow. Just kind of going off the cuff here, talking about 2023 movies. I've titled this the 2023 Movie Radar. Uh, As the year winds down here, it's been a decent... I think it's been a decent, solid year for movies here in 2022. And there's some great ones coming up this month. Glass Onion, for one, uh, which I can't wait for to come out on Netflix. We have Avatar at December 16th. So, and Top Gun Maverick even coming back in theaters. So, can't wait to get into this one here. 2023 movies, the more I look into it in terms of what is coming up next year, the more... I start salivating and also cringing at the money I'm going to spend to go and see these movies. Some of which, how they came to be, uh, <laughs> for example, I'll just spoil it. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, I'm not sure what to think of that movie. Will I be seeing it at some point? You bet your ass I'll be seeing it. Will I spend money on it? I don't know. But I'm go- I'm going to see it in some form or fashion. I'm going to see it. But I'll start off the pod doing things normally with things I've seen lately. And I saw the menu uh, last week for five bucks at AMC. AMC Stubbs. I recommend being a member. Uh, five buck movies on Tuesday nights. Only five dollars. Uh, I do have a miss me though. Uh, my miss me comes with the menu and has nothing to do with the movie. I typically go on Tuesday nights by myself to the movies uh, because it's nice and quiet. There aren't that many people there. I get a seat to myself wherever I want because nobody's going on a Tuesday night. And of course, being that it was Thanksgiving week, I didn't take into account... (laughs) That uh, some kids of the high school age, maybe even younger, I don't know, I don't really care, they were off school. So they're coming to see these movies on what would otherwise be a school night. I sit down. Movie's about to start. And these two high school girls walk in with what I am assuming is one of their moms. I see him climbing the stairs. They're already making a lot of noise. And I'm like, man, I feel sorry for the son of a bitch who has to sit next to them. Well, guess what? I was the son of a bitch at the top, in the top row of this theater at AMC. They come and sit down next to me. And I'm like, what are the fucking odds? Uh, this girl takes her shoes off next to me. Making noise through the whole movie. Gets up like three times to go to the bathroom. How many times do you have to piss in an hour and a half? It was just awful. And you can miss me. You can miss me on people who have their phones out during movies. Uh, you can miss me on people who make noise during movies, especially in the movie theater. A place that's designed to be just you and the movie. 
it's really embarrassing. Uh, I bet for the mom, it was fucking terrible. It was fucking terrible. If that was, if that was my kid, I don't have kids, but if that is ever my kids, we're leaving because I have enough respect for my fellow viewers and audience members to be like, I'm not going to ruin someone else's experience because my kid's being an asshole. So, uh, high school girls, wherever you are, fuck you. Uh, luckily, you weren't enough to ruin my experience. And you'll never hear this pod, probably, but I don't care. Fuck you. Uh, you, ru- you ruined somebody's experience, I'm sure. There was a middle-aged man at the end of my row who's just like me, trying to watch a movie by himself on uh, on a Tuesday night. No. He he got the ruckus too in the back row. So and I couldn't move either. I couldn't move because the way it's set up at AMC is uh in the top row in certain theaters at AMC there's like this barricade that splits the the back row into two and you can't and I was next to the barricade, so I couldn't move. So I was pinned in the the row. I couldn't move. I couldn't even help myself. It was awful. But luckily, they didn't take away from the movie too much. The movie was great. The menu was great. It's not what I thought it would be. Um, the theater, the uh, previews that you saw uh, made you think about cannibalism a little bit. And there was none of that. There was none of that. Uh, lots of twists and turns. Great performances from Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy, if there was ever a doubt. Anya Taylor-Joy, by the way, I mean, she is like a top, like she is going to be a massive star. She she already kind of is, but I mean, her and, and Florence Pugh, and people like that, they're kind of the next, like like Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone were the big stars for their generation. And this one's like a half generation behind it with with Anya Taylor-Joy and Florence Pugh. And I would even throw like Saoirse Ronan in there. Uh, Margot Robbie might be a little too old to be thrown into that. Uh, Jenna Ortega. Like these, these are stars now. These are stars that are going to be forces... That will have to be reckoned with. Anya Taylor Joy has been in movies like Last Night in Soho. She was in The Menu. She was in The Northman uh, this year. She was in. She's going to be in the Super Mario Brothers movie, voicing Princess Peach. Uh, she was in The Witch a few years ago. Uh, Queen's Gambit, of course, and she's not slowing down. Every everything she's in, she was in Split. I mean, everything she's in, I'm just like. This girl has it. Whatever it is, she has it. She's like the the Luka Doncic right now. Like she just does everything. She can she can play with anyone. It doesn't really matter. And she's she's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. She's a joy to watch. Uh, and I was really pleased with her performance. She played like a, I guess you'd call her the protagonist of this movie. And Ray Fiennes who played one of the great villains, two, actually, two of the great villains in movie history, Lord Voldemort and uh, Eamon Goth uh, in Schindler's List, plays another one here, plays another villain, kills it uh, as, uh, 
let me let me look real quick what his name was in the movie. Plays the chef uh, that has a plan to basically kill all of his customers here. Really great, really great movie, and it was produced by Will Ferrell and and Adam McKay, who are behind Succession, of course. Uh, let me see what his name was in the movie. Julian Slowick. Julian Slowick was his name in the movie. Uh, largely positive reviews from critics, it says. So I, I was very happy with it. Great cast. Uh, Nicholas Holt plays a schmuck in this movie. John Leguizamo is in this. Uh, great, Just a great movie. Great movie. Lots of twists and turns. Not, not what I thought it was going to be at all. Definitely worth seeing. Next up, The Gift. Now, there's two movies called The Gift. There's one that came out, I believe, in 2000. That was directed by Sam Raimi. This is not that one. This is the other one that came out in 2015, starring Jason Bateman, Rebecca Hall, and Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton also directed and, I believe, wrote this movie, too. It's on Netflix right now. Creepy, creepy movie. Got Fatal Attraction vibes. Obviously not in that league in terms of thriller. But creepy and kind of unpredictable at times. Uh, You knew that... You kind of assumed what the motive would be for Edgerton's character, uh, but I did not expect the whole reason behind it. And it was really, really a good revenge story. Uh, great performances by Bateman and Rebecca Hall. I'm not a big Rebecca Hall fan. Uh, I think she's typically the worst part of every movie she's in. I thought she was the worst part of The Prestige. I thought she was bad in the town. I didn't, I'm not, not a big Rebecca Hall fan, not a big Rebecca Hall fan, but uh, she's okay in this movie. I really liked it. I actually remember the trailers for this movie thinking it was dumb. I was in high school uh, thinking it was dumb and it, it wasn't, it wasn't dumb. I, I really enjoyed it on Netflix right now. If you want to check it out next up, the Northman, uh, which I watched last night with my good friend, Cooper Ogle got this movie on 4k for $10 at Best Buy over the Black Friday weekend. And it was even better the second time. Uh, Me and Bryce Shaddy saw this in theaters when it came out. I believe that was in April or May. And it bombed badly. Bombed really badly at the box office, which was a shame because this is a great movie. I think it has a chance to be nominated for some Oscars. Uh, But the, the Viking era, if you like stuff like that... Um, Alexander Skarsgård, another uh, rising star in in Hollywood right now. He's in Succession. He was in The Legend of Tarzan a few years ago, which wasn't a great movie, but he was good in it as Tarzan. Of course, coming from the, the Skarsgård family, one of the great families in Hollywood, Bill as Pennywise, of course, and Stellan. Bill was also in uh, Barbarian this year uh so i this is just a great movie and like i said it's just a shame it bombed because robert eggers is one of these directors right now he's he's young he's got original ideas he did the witch he did the lighthouse have not seen the witch yet but the lighthouse i thought was one of the diamonds in the rough hidden gems whatever you want to call it of 2019 which was which is in the running for best movie year of the 2010s, probably is in my opinion. Uh, the Northman was great, really violent. If you like violent period pieces, 
you know, think, think the Patriots, uh, think gladiator. You're, that's what you're getting here. Really, really good movie. And I, I would like to see it nominated for some Oscars, whether it's production design, uh, cinematography, original score, or costume design. I feel like got got to be something there, but, uh, really great cast too. Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke for like five minutes. Uh, Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe. Really, really solid movie. I give it like a seven and a half out of 10. I highly recommend watching it if if you haven't seen it. Next up, The Pacific. Uh, I finished my Band of Brothers journey. Lived up to the hype. Um, solid 9.4 out of 10. The rating it has on IMDb. I totally agree with it. The Pacific was the sequel to that, if you will. Uh, takes place, of course, like the name says, in the Pacific, the Japanese part of World War II. And if you've listened to me on pods, whether it's this one or Linsanity or or Power Hour or, or whatever, you've probably been able to tell that I'm a degenerate for history, whether it's movie history, whether it's NBA history, NFL history. It's the same for just regular us or world history like i'm just a fucking degenerate for useless information when it comes to history of any kind and the pacific breaks down like the forgotten part of world war ii like people like people know obviously japan bombed pearl harbor which brought the united states into world war ii but nobody really covers like there weren't a lot of movies or m- media made about us fighting the Japanese in the Pacific. Uh, people mostly talk about, you know, the European part of the war and rightfully so because Hitler and Germany started the war. Uh, that's mostly where the allies and Axis powers fought. But the Pacific was such a savage part of the war probably one of the most savage because you're fighting in these hot humid elements on some island you've never heard of in the middle of the pacific ocean fighting one of the most relentless enemies that you can think of there's scenes in the show where the japanese soldiers i mean they're suicide charges like kamikaze charges and I can't imagine you just can't imagine being I I can't even imagine being in those shoes like this man they say it multiple times in the in the show like these people would rather die and make sure you die with them than die by themselves (laughs) they are not going to go down unless they take one of us with them and it's just a brutal, brutal show. Uh, I think more brutal than Band of Brothers. Not as good as Band of Brothers, but uh, a worthy sequel, worthy follow-up. They're actually, Spielberg and Hanks are actually making uh, a third World War II series to come out, I believe, next year or 2024, called Masters of the Air. I uh, don't know much on it. I do know it's going to be on Apple TV. Um, so if you want to check it out whenever that comes out, but Pacific, I give it a solid eight out of 10. It's, it's, it's great. Um, winding down. I think I only have two more episodes left. So 
<laughs> keep you updated when I get there. And the final thing I watched on HBO Max right now, uh, Don't Worry Darling, another movie that bombed starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles and Chris Pine. Let's make one thing clear here about this movie. A total ripoff of a 70s movie called The Stepford Wives, where uh, in The Stepford Wives, you have... Um, <laughs> it's such a ripoff. I mean, it was a good movie. Don't Worry Darling was a good movie, but it totally ripped off The Stepford Wives. The Stepford Wives is when, uh, in the plot for that movie... Uh, there's this idyllic neighborhood with these textbook couples and and their families with the kids and the women are eventually bogged down and replaced with android versions of themselves by the men who run the community and in this movie don't worry darling it's basically the same thing except the women aren't replaced by androids. They're just having their memories wiped anytime they start to get suspicious of what they're doing or how they got there. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I just gave away the twist, but this movie is, it's just, it's just, it's a ripoff. It's a ripoff, which that's fine. A lot of movies nowadays are Joker ripped off taxi driver is still a great movie in its own right. Problem is here, Stepford Wives, great movie, great premise. Don't worry, darling, not a great movie. Clearly ripped off Stepford Wives. <laughs> Didn't like how they did that, but movie was okay. Probably won't watch it again. It's on HBO Max if you want to. <laughs> Good performance from Florence Pugh. Definitely the best part of the movie. She, uh, she might be taking the torch for... <laughs> Best actress in Hollywood right now. She's she's right in the mix there. She's been on a tear since like 2019. You know, Midsummer, Little Women, Black Widow, uh, and, and now this. So she's just been on really just a killer tear. It's going to be interesting to see how Harry Styles' career pans out. I don't think he's a bad actor by any means. I actually think he's a pretty good actor. But it's always interesting to see when these singers and different kinds of entertainers start getting involved in the movie scene. How's it going to pan out? It's been tried many times with different people. Lady Gaga working out good so far. Uh, Jared Leto, obviously, working out great. But this one, since he's such a massive star, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Of course, he was in Dunkirk. Uh, I thought he was great in Dunkirk, so he definitely wasn't bad in this. He just can't hang with Florence Pugh, which is, you know, not a shot at him. It's just, it's just a fact. Not, not many actors in that generation can hang with her now. But decent performance by him. Uh, great performance by her. See it if you want. It's on HBO Max. The news. Uh, some trailers dropped today. I'm not going to get into those because they'll come up inevitably when I'm going through the 2023 movie list but a couple things I did want to hit on that I thought were interesting Chris Hemsworth says he wants a totally new tone on the character of Thor for quote his own sanity and I read this in a couple I mean you can read this in a couple different ways I think a couple things will definitely come from this 
number one, like many people, Chris Hemsworth did not like Thor Love and Thunder. That's clear from this from this uh <laughs> from this quote here for his own sanity, the tone of the character that he's played for uh twelve years next year will be it has to change for his own sanity. I mean, that's insane. That's insane. And I think there's a real chance uh, Taika Waititi's done in the MCU. I think there's a real chance he's done because I think Thor Love and Thunder <clears throat> was so disappointing and such a letdown, especially coming off of Ragnarok and Thor's other appearances in, in the Avengers, the last two Avengers movies. It's just not what it, you wanted at all and really kind of wasted a great performance by christian bale as gore the god butcher i feel like that's going to be forgotten now because the movie was such dog shit uh jane foster got a good send-off i guess but again probably going to be forgotten because the movie was such dog shit it says a lot that he's willing to come out and say hey we need to we need to change some things. He's basically talking to Kevin Feige saying, Hey, we got to mix this up a little bit because not working out. Didn't work out in this movie and everybody hated it. I didn't like it. Uh, if you listen to my love and thunder slash black phone pod, I was pretty critical of it. It was just one long joke of a movie and not the joke that they wanted it to be. It was a, it was a, a joke in a bad way. And then next we have Ang Lee set to direct a Bruce Lee biopic. Kind of amazing we haven't gotten a mainstream one of these since Bruce Lee passed away. Uh, Ang Lee's son, Mason Lee, is set to star as Bruce Lee. So we'll see what happens. Bruce Lee, obviously an icon, um, was featured in a movie actually in 2019, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this will be great to see. And I'm glad Ang Lee's doing it because the guy's got range as a director. He's got range and he gets a lot of flack for reasons I'm not totally sure of. Granted, his Hulk movie was not well received, but it has its moments at least. It's not it's not a total suck fest. Brokeback Mountain, of course, great movie. Should have won the Oscar, but didn't because the Oscars are hypocritical. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which did win an Oscar for uh, Best Foreign Language Film. And then Life of Pi, which, not a great movie. Nominated for a ton of Oscars. Probably why it was nominated, because it was uh, kind of dog shit. But that's the news. Not much to get to. The other bits of the news I'll get to as we flow through the 2023 movie set. So what I'm going to do here is go through the movies month by month for next year, 2023, and just give you a little bit about them, what I think. Uh, some of these I'm very hyped for. Some uh, I wouldn't wipe my ass with, but we'll get there when we get there. It's, it's just like everything else, you know? It's just like... <laughs> You know, you're scouring the, the waivers in fantasy, whether it's football or basketball. I play both uh, along with some, some of the people on the network. And, you know, you're scouring the waivers. You're like, man, I got some guys on by this week. I need to replace them. Some people look appealing. Some you wouldn't wipe your, wipe your ass with them. 
Gonna be the same thing here. Uh, won't go through all of the movies coming out next year, just because we would be here probably until next year started. But the ones that you're familiar with on a big scale, I'll definitely cover those. Uh, and the ones that you might not know about, uh, ones that I didn't even know about before I opened this up here, um, that they could be, they could be promising. There's always a couple movies every year where you're just like, wow, that really came out of nowhere. And I really liked it. Like for me, it was the Northman this year. Last year was the last duel. This year was the Northman. Like, wow. I heard a little bit about this movie, but really didn't give a shit. Saw it and glad I did. And it makes it for a worthy addition to your collection. If you have one. So starting in January of 23, January 6th, we have the horror film Megan from Universal Pictures and Blumhouse Productions, starring Allison Williams, who, of course, uh, was the girlfriend in Get Out. Um, yeah, it's probably her most, definitely her most famous role. Produced by James Wan. So <laughs> the trailer for this movie, very memeable, very, very memeable. Uh, but actually looks kind of creepy probably gonna see it in some form or fashion but horror's in a really weird spot right now because you have movies like this that you know you don't really know what to think it looks bad but you have to see it for yourself and it has the drawback of being memed immediately. I mean, the dancing scene with the doll, that's what I'm talking about. Not wiping your ass with, but I think I'm going to see this. It's, I mean, it's all, it's all right. It's, it looks all right. I, I don't want to, and Allison Williams, honestly taken a turn for the worst since, since get out. She started off with a bang and then I don't, I don't really know. She might want to fire her agent. This isn't great. If this turns out bad. She might want to fire the agent. January 13th, we have House Party, which if you've seen any movies lately, you've seen trailers for this, probably even on uh, TV too. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, a house party at LeBron's house when LeBron's not home. Uh, kind of a risky business type of movie if it was in LeBron's house. Uh, it's kind of cool because... There's a part in the trailer where LeBron's making fun of himself. They go, they're in LeBron, LeBron's closet, and he has this hologram of himself saying that he handled the situation to go to Miami perfectly. Uh, so that's that's kind of cool that he's kind of making fun of himself. But I'm not going to see this movie. I'm sorry. I'm not going to see it. Sorry, LeBron. Next up, The Sun. January 20th, The Sun, which is actually a prequel to The Father... Uh, which came out in, I believe it was, when the fuck did The Father come out? I think it was 2020. 2020, Anthony Hopkins famously upset Chadwick Boseman to win Best Actor. And this is the follow-up to that. It's called The Sun, starring Hugh Jackman. I'm all in, actually. I'm all in. Hopkins is back. Uh, Laura Dern as well. Vanessa Kirby is in this movie. Now, Vanessa Kirby, you might know her from uh, Pieces of a Woman, uh, which she was nominated for an Oscar for. You might know her from the Fast franchise. She was in Hobbs and Shaw. 
She was also in Mission Impossible Fallout. And like I said, nominated for Best Actress for Pieces of a Woman. Also in 2020, that's available on Netflix if you want to watch it. But The Sun, I'm all in on that because I think Hugh Jackman can make a push for Best Actor. It certainly seems like it from everything I've read on this movie. But if you like The Father, uh, like I did, definitely watch The Sun. The Father hit me hard because had some personal experience uh, my family dealing with dealing with that disease and uh really hit home for for me and the son i'm in anything hugh jackman's in post wolverine i'm in and i say post wolverine even though he's coming back but who gives a shit next up we have in february knock at the cabin the next M. Night Shyamalan movie, written and directed by M. Night, starring Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, who you will know as Holden Ford from Mindhunter, if you've seen that on Netflix, and Rupert Grint, finally in something not playing fucking Ron Weasley, Rupert Grint is here. I don't know what he's doing, but it's Knock at the Cabin, the premise for it, very interesting. I've only seen the trailer for it at one movie this year. Got a long runtime, two hours and 19 minutes. February 3rd of next year, the premise is, while vacationing at a remote cabin, a family of three is taken hostage by four strangers who demand they make the ultimate sacrifice in order to avert the apocalypse. Um, sure. I mean, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan is one of those directors where you have to see his movies in the theater. And I don't I don't care what it is. And he probably established that as soon as The Sixth Sense came out. And it's been that way ever since, really. It was funny in the mid-2000s all the way up until he kind of tanked with... Well, he didn't kind of tank. He did tank with The Last Airbender and... And after Earth, he kind of tried to deny that he made his movies intentionally with a twist at the end. And then he came back with The Visit and Split and Old and Glass. And he just kind of like, here, you guys want twists? I'll give them to you. I will shit out a twist and you're going to come and see it. And I'm going to come and see it. Knock at the cabin. You know there's going to be a twist. Uh, not a big fan of David Batista as an actor, but I like Jonathan Groff, Rupert Grint. Let's see what you can do uh, as not Ron Weasley. Next up, February 10th, which happens to be my parents' anniversary, Magic Mike's Last Dance, which is billed as the conclusion to the Magic Mike trilogy. Did Magic Mike deserve a trilogy? Probably not. But Steven Soderbergh is such a great director that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Plus, you get Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek in this movie. Channing Tatum kind of making a comeback recently. Um, and Salma Hayek, she never went away. So I, I, I saw a trailer for this when I went and saw the menu, actually, and I couldn't believe it because I hadn't heard anything about it until I went and saw the menu. And the trailer was playing, and I was like, what is this? We have Channing Tatum playing what seemed to be like a bartender who had something hidden in his past. And Salma Hayek, who's one of the great actresses since the 90s, 
And I'm like, what is this movie? And then I saw Soderbergh's name come up and I put two and two together with him and Tatum. And I was like, okay, we're getting another Magic Mike movie. And that's exactly what it is. I have not seen any of the Magic Mike movies. Uh, heard they're pretty good, actually. If you listen to the Big Picture podcast on the on the Ringer with Sean Fennessy, uh, he likes Steven Soderbergh a lot and had some pretty good things to say about Magic Mike. So maybe uh, maybe a venturing into that territory is is warranted here. Soderbergh, I'm in. I'm in with Soderbergh. He has a movie on HBO Max called Kimmy, starring Zoe Kravitz. Definitely see that if you haven't. Um, really uniquely filmed, and I really enjoyed it. Next up in February, this is one of those ones where I was like, you're really not... You don't know what to think about it. Are you going to wipe your ass with it, or are you going to go see it? This one, probably going to go see it just to see how outrageous we can get Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. You've never heard of anyone associated with this movie. So I'm not even going to bother telling you, uh, these people, if you go on Wikipedia, you can't even click on their Wikipedia page because it doesn't fucking exist. Hasn't even been made yet. Winnie the Pooh blood and honey people. This is, I mean, this is crazy because Winnie the Pooh, Disney no longer holds the exclusive film rights to Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh became public domain in the U.S. on January 1st of last year, of well, this year, I guess. And these people immediately jumped on it and put together this premise of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet going on a fucking rampage. And I, when, the, when the trailer came out, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because I thought at first it was a parody. And now we see that it's going to get a theatrical release. It's only 90 minutes. Who gives a shit if it sucks? The fact that it's even being made. And we're going to get another one in the style of The Grinch this year. So... You know, there was an interview with Quentin Tarantino recently where he basically said this is one of the worst eras for Hollywood in terms of originality and, you know, movies that will be talked about in years to come, much like his are. And this is kind of what he's talking about, if I'm being honest. So the, the film critic in me wants to shit on this the movie fan in me is like my god I gotta pack my bag and go see this because what what kind of world are we living in where Winnie the Pooh wields a fucking axe and goes after Christopher Robin here's the plot for this movie during his childhood Christopher Robin befriended Winnie the Pooh Piglet and their friends playing games and also providing them with food. As he grew up, these visits became more infrequent as did the food supply causing Pooh and the others to grow increasingly hungry and desperate. When Christopher Robin went to college, the visits stopped completely causing Pooh and Piglet to become completely feral and unhinged, resulting in Eeyore and the others getting killed and eaten at some point. Now, 
Christopher Robin has returned to the forest alongside his new wife, hoping to introduce her to his old friends. Feeling betrayed, this results in Pooh and Piglet going on a murderous rampage for human flesh as they antagonize a group of university girls who are occupying a rural cabin. Sure. Sure. Like I said, who gives a shit if it sucks? All right. Who gives a shit if it sucks? It's probably going to suck. But are you going to be the guy who sits back and says, yeah, I never saw it? Or are you going to be the guy who says, yeah, I saw it. It was as crazy as it was billed. I would prefer to be the latter. February 17th, uh, definitely the biggest movie to this point that we've talked about. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Could be a game-changing... I think it has to be a game-changing movie for the MCU. Much like Loki was a game-changing show for it. Star-studded cast, of course, in classic Marvel fashion. Uh, new additions. Jonathan Majors, which, not a new addition, but a new version of Kang, the one that we have been hyped for. And Bill Murray, which, let's be honest, is probably going to be very similar to Sylvester Stallone's uh, <laughs> role in Guardians 2, where he's definitely just collecting a check. But who cares? It's Bill Murray. He can get away with that kind of stuff. <laughs> Like I said, I think this has to be a game changer for at least this stage of the MCU where the last phase, phase four, was not great. It's really carried by No Way Home and Loki, in my opinion. It didn't end well with with Miss Marvel and She-Hulk either. I mean, people hated, hated those shows and it wasn't just trolls. This one, I think, has a lot of pressure on it. Black Panther Wakanda Forever was great, too. But this has a lot of pressure on it because you're setting up the next Thanos-esque. I mean, he's not going to touch Thanos. Let's just get that out of the way. But in the same breath as Thanos, that's what Marvel wants him to be. This is going to have to do a lot of work. And I'm very curious to see how long this movie is, if we even have a runtime for that. We don't have a runtime for it yet. But... It has a lot of work to do. It has a lot of pressure on it to come through and to make a killing at the box office too. I mean, I think it has to make has to make a lot of money and a lot of pressure on it because next few Avengers movies coming up in the next couple of years, Kang, I assume, is going to be the main villain of those. The multiverse. I mean, it's called the multiverse saga. So this movie is going to have to do a lot in terms of furthering what Loki did and setting up the multiverse, setting up Kang the Conqueror as the next big bad in the biggest franchise in Hollywood right now. Got a lot of work to do. And I think it definitely has to be the best Ant-Man movie. And it definitely has to be the best movie since No Way Home. It doesn't really have a choice. It has to do that. Then in February 24th, we have Cocaine Bear, which is another one of those movies, kind of like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, where you're just like, how the fuck is this getting made? A trailer for this was actually released, I think yesterday, but getting released by Universal, produced by Lord and Miller, which is really one of the main reasons that I'm intrigued by it. Lord and Miller, of course, you're familiar with their work. Uh, 
We got the Lego movie, the Lego franchise, Claudia the Chance of Meatballs, uh, 21 Jump Streets, Spider-Verse, all that stuff. They did all that. So clearly know what they're doing. Cocaine Bear, however, it's like, it kind of outrageous that this movie is <laughs> about to come out. Inspired by the true story of an American black bear who ingested a duffel bag full of cocaine in 1985 and goes on a murderous rampage in a small Kentucky town where a group of locals and tourists must join forces in order to survive the attack. So you have a coked out black bear going on a rampage in Kentucky. I'm in, uh, but definitely not going to pay money to see this. Not, not a chance. Directed by Elizabeth Banks. Decent cast, actually, starring Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Alden Ehrenreich, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and Ray Liotta in his final performance. So that alone is enough for me to to watch it. But Cocaine Bear, that is coming out on February 24th. Moving into March, finishing up the first quarter of 2023, we have Creed Three, another Jonathan Majors movie. Uh, Michael B. Jordan in his directorial debut. Uh, I saw Creed 2 in the theater. I did not see Creed 1 in the theater. I actually really enjoyed Creed 2. It was definitely a step back from the first one, but how they were able to revitalize this franchise, I think is very, uh, very impressive. And it's going to be interesting to see what Michael B. Jordan does in his first outing as a director, we have the story by Ryan Coogler, who directed the first entry. As Thompson returns, Wood Harris in this movie too. So, I'm in. Uh, the trailer was great. Here's the premise for you. Five years after Creed two, after dominating the boxing world, Adonis Donnie Creed has been thriving in both his career and family life. When a childhood friend and former prodigy Damien Dame Anderson resurfaces after serving a long sentence in prison. He is eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. The face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Donnie must put his future on the line to battle Dame, a fighter who has nothing to lose. So I'm in on that. Next up, Scream 6. You know I'm in on this. I don't really need to talk about this one much. Still a joke that uh, Neff Campbell's not going to be in it, but got to move past that. Uh, Hayden Panettiere coming back, prizing her role from uh, from the fourth one. I could have sworn she died, but I gotta gotta watch it again. I guess unfortunately, Tony Revolori. Also joining the cast, you might know him as Flash Thompson from the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So I don't really need to go into this one much. Definitely going to see it. Next up, Shazam! Fury of the Gods coming out on March 17th. Miss me. Miss me. I, I don't give a shit. I didn't like the first one. Uh, I don't really know what Shazam's role in the DC EU is. And I don't really care. Miss me. Next up, John Wick Chapter 4. March 24th, this will be the end of Shazam! Fury of the Gods because this is going to kill the box office. As I've said, I think I even said it on the last pod when this trailer came out. 
one of the great trilogies of the past decade of the past 15 years, whatever you want to say. It's one of the great original trilogies. And we have another great cast here. Donnie Yen joining the cast, Bill Skarsgård, and then of course Lance Reddick and Ian McShane and Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne coming back. All in on this. The last one was amazing. One of the great underrated uh really one of the great underrated theater experiences that I've had. And I think a lot of people might agree premise for you. John wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table, but before he can earn his freedom, wick must face off against new powerful enemy with alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. (laughs) So typical John wick (laughs) premise, but I'm seeing it. You're seeing it. Everyone's going to see it. It's going to make a shitload of money. Next up, moving into April. Uh, And honestly, one of my most anticipated movies, and I really don't care what anyone thinks of me for saying that, the Super Mario Brothers movie. The Super Mario Brothers movie, Universal teaming up with Illumination and Nintendo Studios to bring us this. A couple trailers already. Now we know that Mario Kart is going to be involved. Mario Galaxy is going to be involved. And a star-studded cast. You have Chris Pratt as Mario. People shit on that choice. And now everybody's praising it with uh, everything that's come out in these trailers. He, People like his voice. Granted, it's only little snippets and trailers, but people like it. You have him as Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black as Bowser, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. I am all in. I am all in. And I saw a TikTok about this movie basically saying that if there's going to be another MCU type of franchise that can dominate the box office with every release... It's going to be the Mario Super Smash franchise. And if this takes off like I think it's going to, I mean, we could get a Mario franchise that ultimately culminates in a Super Smash Brothers movie. And everyone and their mother would go and see that shit. I'm going to see this April 7th. Can't fucking wait. I, I, I haven't been this hyped for an animated movie Probably since Spider-Verse, which we're actually going to talk about in a couple more months here on this timeline. But I, this movie, if it does well, do not be surprised if this becomes a franchise for the next like 10 years. Because the animation looks great. It's not like when Sonic came out where the animation got shit on and they had to change it. Nobody's shitting on the animation. Nobody's really shitting on this. It looks really good and I am in next up Renfield on April 14th another universal movie starring Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt uh, Aquafina is in it as well a little bit of a comedy uh, a comedy horror Nicolas Cage plays Dracula and Nicholas Holt plays his henchman Renfield and 
The film, here, here's the premise for you. Film stars Nicholas Holt as Renfield, a henchman to Count Dracula who decides to leave his line of work after falling in love. Story is by Robert Kirkman. If you know anything about Robert Kirkman, you know he's very creative, created The Walking Dead, created Invincible. What else do you need me to say? That is enough for me to go see this movie. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like Nicolas Cage, if you like Robert Kirkman's stuff, definitely go check this out. Next up, in May, moving into May, on May 5th, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special just came out. Still need to watch it. It's only like 45 minutes. Not sure if it'll have any bearing on... uh, you know, future MCU projects, but I try to watch everything the MCU does just because I, I don't want to miss anything. Uh, great cast as usual. Don't really know much about it, so I'm not going to say much. They're looking for Gamora after the events of Endgame. So we shall see what happens there. Next up, May 19th. This one's for all my boys in the Fast family. Fast 10. Fast X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Directed by Louis Leterrier, who's most famous for directing uh, The Incredible Hulk. And this cast is as crazy as it's ever been. Everyone who has ever been in a movie is in this movie. We have Vin Diesel. Jason, I'm just going to read these names. Vin Diesel. Jason Statham. Michelle Rodriguez, John Cena, Jason Momoa, Brie Larson, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Jordana Brewster, Natalie Emanuel, Sung Kang, Scott Eastwood, Michael Rooker, Cardi B, Helen Mirren, Charlize Theron, Rita Moreno, George W. Bush. I'm kidding. It's just going to be a great... This is going to be an experience it's going to be an experience and supposedly the end of the uh, the end of the franchise i guess let me see no i'm wrong of course it's sequels plan to be released in february of 2024 it's the fourth most expensive film ever a 340 million dollar budget no trailer yet definitely going to get one probably I would guess next month or so but do we have a plot for this movie yet I mean no we don't we have no idea do you need a plot no you know you're going to see it it's going to make a billion dollars who cares next up June moving into June we have June 2nd the long awaited follow up Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, part one. What do you need to know about this movie that, I mean, we have Spider-Man 2099, Oscar Isaac. We have Miles Morales coming back. We have everyone. We have Spider-Punk, which if you've played Spider-Man PS4, you know that suit. If you've read the Spider-Verse comic, you know him. This movie is going to kick ass. The quotes around this movie are insane. There's a different visual style for each of the six universes visited by the characters. So this is this could be really groundbreaking. Uh, 
for the animation genre, which is saying something. I think we might see more animated superhero movies. This really set the stage for stuff like, uh, um, you know, the, I mean, even DC Super Pets, whatever you, whatever you think of that. I mean, this and Lego Batman really set the stage for animated superhero movies on, on a big scale. I mean, they've always been there. All you got to do is go back to the 90s, see some bangers, Masking the Phantasm, one of them. But this could be pretty groundbreaking, and I'm really, really excited to see what happens. Next up, a movie that got a trailer released today. A movie that Bryce Shaddy wants no part of. And a movie I'm going to talk about anyway, because I'm going to see it, and I can't guarantee that I won't spend money to see it. So think of me what you will. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And I actually watched the first four of these with my good friend Cooper Ogle. I took a vacation off of work um, the week of Thanksgiving. And we spent one day watching, tried to watch all of them, didn't get through all five. We got through four. Uh, hammered, as you might guess. But this movie, I, I'm in. I don't I don't care. This, this franchise is so outrageous at this point and so fucking out there and refuses to go away that I just kind of have to be in on it at this point. It's like... Fast and Furious in terms of never ending, but Fast and Furious at least has some semblance of a plot, emotional value. You care about the characters. Transformers, you don't give a shit. I'm not even sure you give a shit about Optimus or Mumblebee. You're just in it for the action and the explosions and whatever. And that same thing with Transformers Rise of the Beast. Supposed to be uh, the first in a trilogy. Uh, we'll see. Starring the voices of Ron Perlman, Peter Cullen coming back as Optimus Prime, Peter Dinklage, Pete Davidson, Michelle Yeoh. I mean, some big names in this movie. And the trailer, not going to say it was encouraging because it wasn't, but if you want to see some crazy shit, watch it. Next up, The Flash, a movie that The Miracle is even coming out. Uh, Ezra Miller, uh, him and Deshaun Watson might be friends. That's all I'm going to say about his character. They, they, they'd probably be good friends. Uh, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. That's probably... The saving grace of this movie. Michael Shannon coming back as Zod. Ben Affleck as Batman. So definitely, if there was a movie to quote-unquote save the DCU or reinvent it somehow, this would be the one. This would be the one. And I'm actually really curious to see how much James Gunn has to do with this movie now since he signed the deal to become exclusive with DC and run their, their movies. I don't know. We'll see, but... To, uh, two different Batmans, the return of one of the great superhero movie villains, General Zod, and Ezra Miller, who might be in court when this movie comes out. So who, who knows? Next up, Indiana Jones 
and the Dial of Destiny, which we also got a trailer for today. Today was a busy day for trailers. It's interesting because these movies don't come out till June. So we have, you know, six, seven months till these movies come out and we're getting trailers for them. Indiana Jones is also a franchise that refuses to die, even if the last one was 14 years ago. James Mangold directing and writing Harrison Ford coming back. Of course, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Boyd Holbrook, who you might know from Narcos and Logan, uh, Toby Jones, who of course plays Zola in the MCU, Antonio Banderas, John Rhys-Davies reprising his role as Sala. Uh, I'm in. At this point, I think you have to be in. And I think they're going to kill Indy. I don't really think they have a choice. Harrison Ford trying to get one last paycheck before he rides off into the sunset, I think. This movie is going to be... I think it's going to be good. I mean, the trailer looked encouraging. I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be the best in the series. Or speaking of which, the series itself, it's one of the more interesting movie franchises in the history of Hollywood because the first one is a bona fide classic. It's probably one of the top 50 greatest movies ever made. It's one of the funnest movies ever made. And it's kind of Steven Spielberg's like blueprint of how to make an adventure movie. And so many movies copied it and it cemented Harrison Ford's status as one of, if not the greatest action star of all time. And now we have this one, James Mangold, who's a great director in his own right. Directed Logan, directed Ford v. Ferrari, directed The Wolverine, directed Girl Interrupted. He's made, I mean, he's no stranger to making good movies. I trust him. Especially after how we left in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which uh, made, made my brain hurt. I have a lot of faith in this one, and I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged. Moving into the latter half of 2023, the summer, we have Insidious Fear of the Dark, the third Insidious film, I think. Uh, whole cast coming back. Wait, hang on here. It's the fifth installment in Insidious franchise? I'm not going to waste time talking about this. Never mind. I don't care. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. This movie I care about. This movie I care about. It, it seems like it could be the end of the Ethan Hunt series. And I kind of hope it is. Because it's kind of getting dragged. But it's also... Like... Mission Impossible Fallout. Basically, all the ones they've done since Ghost Protocol have been awesome. And it's it refuses to go away. Fallout was amazing. Fallout was amazing. And Tom Cruise, speaking of refusing to go away, Tom Cruise, he will not go away. He will not go away. And you have, you have a, a, a franchise here that has transformed itself into one of the most profitable, long-lasting, just blessed with longevity. Survived 
the pandemic, this movie is one of the famous pandemic movies because it was supposed to come out like five different times. And of course that famous clip of Tom Cruise basically destroying everyone on set. Uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Part 2 going to come out in 2024, I assume. Let's see. Yeah, 2024. So, could be an Indiana Jones scenario. Uh, they might kill Ethan Hunt, much like No Time to Die killed James Bond. Uh, but moving on, next up in July. July's a fucking stacked month. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I'm just going to read you the cast and move on. This is probably my most anticipated. Anytime Christopher Nolan releases a movie, I mean, you're going to... Everyone's going. You're going to make a shitload of money. And Christopher Nolan's in this stage of his career where he's just going to make movies... They basically flex on the Academy and say, give me my Oscar. <laughs> give me my Oscar because you didn't give it to me for Dark Knight. You didn't give it to me for Inception. You didn't give it to me for Interstellar. You didn't give it to me for Dunkirk. And he didn't give me shit for Tenet. So I want mine. Dunkirk was supposed to be his. They didn't give it to him. This one, I think, is just him going balls to the wall. You will not deny me. I am getting what I came for. Cillian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, the inventor of the atomic bomb. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Benny Safdie, Josh Hartnett, Dane DeHaan, Miss Me, Jack Quaid, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Who else? We have? Matthew Modine. I mean, Jason Clark, Josh Peck, Gary Oldman, Casey Affleck. Oh, I mean, who else do we have here? It looks like it's it for the most part. But Christopher Nolan, he's going for the Oscar. He's going for the Oscar. I think this should be the preliminary front runner to win Best Picture. This is a guy who is one of the most culturally impactful. Every one of his he's much like Tarantino in that every one of his movies is a fucking event it's a fucking event everyone goes and this one's not going to be any different and it's a biopic and I'd have to go back and look at the stats to see what the highest grossing biopic ever is but son of a bitch this could be it every movie he makes makes a shitload of money he's going to be pissed off coming off a of tenant because it bombed which wasn't his fault it was COVID but the industry owes him a lot because he was the first one that said, fuck this. I'm putting out a movie. He put out COVID didn't work out for him, but he's the only one that had the balls to release it in the midst of COVID. And now he's pissed off because of that. He's pissed off because he was snubbed for Dunkirk. Shape of water won over Dunkirk. Kiss my ass. This movie is going to make a shitload of money. It's going to be nominated for a shitload of Oscars and it should win a shitload of Oscars. This movie should be your number one priority next year. July 21st, Oppenheimer. Check it out. Next up, Barbie coming out on the same day as Oppenheimer. Two of the most beautiful people in Hollywood in this movie, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, and also two of the most talented actors we have working right now. Ryan Gosling has been a revelation 
in these past few years with with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, with Drive, with uh, La La Land. This guy is going to win an Oscar at some point. Uh, probably not for this movie, but this movie is very intriguing because you have Greta Gerwig directing, Noah Baumbach co-writing the screenplay with her. You also have America Ferreira, uh, Simu Liu, Kate McKinnon, uh, Michael Sarah, Will Ferrell in this movie. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of movie this is. It's supposedly a rom-com, but I think this is going to be one that also makes a lot of money. And it should, because you have two massive stars. You have a director who's very well respected by the Academy and by audiences. She made Little Women. She made Lady Bird. Very talented. I'm going to see it. Uh, what a weekend that'll be. Oppenheimer and Barbie, both on July 21st. Two very different movies, but that'll be a great movie-going experience. Might try and see them both in the same day. That'll be a great time. Next up, the Marvels. Uh, haven't cared less about a Marvel movie since The Eternals, so I'm going to skip it. August 4th. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I actually care about this. Uh, big TMNT guy. Love the show from, I think, 2003. I uh, got a poster in my room. Love the 90s movies, so I'm going to see this. That's all you need to know. Meg 2, The Trench. Miss me. Haunted Mansion. Miss me. Why are we making another Haunted Mansion movie? It's beyond me. Moving into September. The Equalizer 3. Do we need an Equalizer 3? No. Am I going to see it? Yes. Antoine Fuqua coming back to direct for the third time. Denzel Washington coming back. Cashing checks in his later years. Dakota Fanning coming back. Or not coming back. Uh, I got her mixed up with Chloe Grace Moretz. Dakota Fanning in this movie. Equalizer 3 uh, doesn't have a plot yet. Comes out September 1st. <laughs> Going to see it. Don't care. It's going to make over $100 million. Going to be on streaming very quickly. Probably going to buy it since I already have the first two, so why not? Next up, moving into October, the final quarter of 2023. Craven the Hunter. You know my obsession with Spider-Man, so I'm going to see this. Um, You know, the Venom franchise working out very well for Sony. Morbius... Not so much. Again, as I've said before on previous pods, Morbius, not as bad as people made it out to be. Didn't deserve all the memes. Didn't deserve the slander that it got. Did it deserve slander? Yes. To that extent, no. Craven the Hunter, I think, could be a nice pivot for them. Aaron Taylor Johnson, cast as Craven. Russell Crowe, who I think back in the day would have made a textbook Craven. Uh, you also have Alessandro Nivola in this movie, who was the star of The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, so quite a change of pace for him, too. But going to see it. Sony not giving up on their universe of Spider-Man characters. And good. Good. October 13th. Exorcist. No. Saw 10. October 27th. <laughs> No, November 3rd, Dune Part 2. Um, Dune Part 1, one of the great movies of 2021, uh, nominated for a shitload of Oscars. 
one of our finest directors of the 21st century, I would say. He's made some of the most mesmerizing, artistic, influential films of the past decade. And the, the amazing thing about Denny Villeneuve is that all of his movies, all of these movies that we talk about are so close together. They're so close together and they're all bangers. We have Prisoners and Enemy in the same year. Back to back years, you get Sicario and back to back to back. You get Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. Then he takes a four-year break to give us Dune. Then Dune Part 2. This guy is a gift. And Cooper Ogle will have you believe he's in the second coming of Christ. I'm not going to go that far. But he is on his way. I mean, he's already done great things. But he's on his way to being recognized as I think a generational talent. I mean, you have basically the entire cast of this coming back joining them are Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, Christopher Walken, and Leah Sadu. This is going to be epic. I think it's going to, I, I, I can't confirm this or not, but my gut is that it's going to be over three hours long. <laughs> Definitely buying it on 4k and it's going to be a, a great movie. And I want to talk about Timothy Chalamet. I guarantee you this will not suck. I, gar- I guarantee it. I guarantee this will be nominated for Best Picture. And I think it could be a two-man race between Dune Part 2 and Oppenheimer. If things go the way that it looks like they will, that will be the... And I want to take a second to talk about Timothy Chalamet because his career is mirroring that of Leonardo DiCaprio. And I want to be really careful here because Leo, obviously, is probably our best actor working right now. He probably has been for the last... Uh, man, probably since Wolf of Wall Street came out. So 10 years. 10 years, starting next year, he'll be our best actor. But his career, Chalamet, it's mirroring... Leo's. Leo's kind of kickstarted with What's Eating Gilbert Grape in the early 90s, where he played a kid with special needs, uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at a very young age, and just burst on the scene. Was a TV star as well. Timothy Chalamet kind of did the same thing. He was in these small movies. He was getting noticed. He was in Call Me By Your Name, which got him nominated for an Oscar. And then you start seeing him in more things. He can be in a big budget. Leo was in Titanic. Chalamet was in Dune. He can be in a romantic film. Leo was in Romeo and Juliet. Timothy was in uh, Little Women. You can. He can be in the ensemble. He can lead a movie by himself. He can be in weird movies. He can be in traditional movies. Le- uh, Timothy's in... Bones and all right now. Leo's in, you know, movies like Blood Diamond and and, and Body of Lies. You know, weird kind of movies that don't get talked about that much, but you know Leo shines in a stacked cast in The Departed. Chalamet shines in a stacked cast with Dune. 
they're mirroring each other very closely. They work with great directors. Uh, Timothy with Greta Gerwig twice. Uh, with Denny. Now, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him work with um, Nolan or, or or even Scorsese. I wouldn't be surprised to see him work with Scorsese. Speaking of Leo, it's going to be... His career is going to be something to watch. I think it's the thing to watch for the next like 10 years. Timothy Chalamet is going to be the thing to watch for the next 10 years. Next up, Trolls 3. Miss me. Well, uh, going into December. Oh, also, November 17th, The Hunger Games. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and shit. I don't care. Miss me. December 15th, Wonka. Who asked for this? No one. Chalamet's in it, so I'm going to see it. End of story. And finally, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has the balls to come out on Christmas, just like the first one did, I think. Actually, I'm going to look that up. Did it come out on Christmas? Ah, close. December 21st. The first one made a billion dollars. I think this one has the potential. People like Aquaman. People like Jason Momoa. People also want to see the end of Amber Heard, so they're going to come see this movie. I'm in. I think it's going to be a good fit for the DCEU. And that's all I got, folks. Some bangers coming out next year. 2023, if I had to put together a Mount Rushmore. All right, I'm going to do a prediction here. The Mount Rushmore of 2023, what do I think it's going to turn out to be? Here is what I'm going to give you. Give me June Part 2. Give me Oppenheimer. Those two, those two are locks. I don't think those are getting moved at all. Next two are going to be tough. But I will go with I will go with Across the Spider-Verse. And that's definitely a a biased pick. But like I said, I think it has a chance to be pretty groundbreaking. I mean, all the different styles of animation in that movie, I think it's going to do wonders for that part of the industry. So I'll go Across the Spider-Verse for number three on the Rushmore. And then number four, very tough. But I think I'm going to land on Quantum Mania just because I think it's going to be awesome. And I don't think it really has a choice. Uh, it just has to be good. So that's what I'll go for for my preliminary 2023 movie Mount Rushmore. Dune Part 2, Oppenheimer, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, and Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Outside looking in Super Mario Brothers movie uh, and Little Mermaid. No, I'm just kidding. Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, had a blast doing this by myself. Uh, next week, I am joined by the founder himself, the host of the Power Hour, founder of the Running Hook Network, Alex Burr, joining me to break down The 15th anniversary of one of my 10 favorite movies of all time, No Country for Old Men. The Best Picture winner of 2007, Best Supporting Actor winner, Javier Bardem, one of the great villains in movie history. We're breaking it down next week, celebrating the 15th anniversary. Tune in for that one. 
We have also had a lot of action on the network lately. Caleb and Bryce breaking down the NFL every week for you. Um, I gotta imagine I'll make some appearance on there, at least before the season's end, probably during the playoffs. But it's a great time for the network. We got Oscar season coming, new movie year upon us. We have the NFL rounding into shape. We're heading towards the playoffs like a tumbleweed. We have basketball revving up. All-Star break will be here before you know it. My Pacers, what the fuck is going on with them? They look awesome. Tyrese Halliburton is invited to my wedding. Benny Matherin uh, is going to be the godfather of my kids. It's going to be awesome. The Colts suck, but I have the Pacers to get me through it so I don't uh, die of liver disease. But we have Lynn Sanity reviewing week 12 for you. And then Basketball Power Hour was released this week as well. JD and Alex talking about the Thunder. SGA balling, averaging 30 a game. One of the fantasy studs of this year. Warriors trying to get back on track after a rough start to the season. And the Hawks still kind of trying to figure out the Trey and DeJounte backcourt. Probably going to trade John Collins which is a shame, but they've been trying to do it for two years, so it's bound to happen. Check those pods out. Remember, 15th anniversary of No Country next week. And as always, folks, thank you very much for listening to the podcast.